Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you with us today. I'm sure you're all going to be watching the big game today. I may be watching the Waste Management Golf Tournament. So that's where the Packers are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're uh, in the garbage bin right now. So, but uh, if you're an Eagles fan, good luck. If you're a Kansas City fan, bad luck. But anyway, oh. Did I say I love you all? Just love you to death. <laughs> it's good to be together though this morning. Great to have you with us. My name's Tim. If it's your first time here, just relax. Uh, we're going to look at some stuff in the Bible together, then uh, close out with some singing and uh, send you on home and, and enjoy the rest of the day. We've been looking at the home. In fact, today's uh, lesson, we're going to be looking at a family that God saved in Acts chapter 10. And uh, we're looking at this series on As For Me and My House because if there's anything that we are learning, what goes on with our nation, what goes on in our community, the strength of, um, of our society and the health of our society all comes from what goes on in your home and in mine. And so uh, that's why we're looking at this. Last week we learned uh, that from Chuck Swindle, a little quote there that said it, that the home is the single most influential force on earth. I believe and I agree with that and I believe that to be true. And that's why we're looking at families in the Bible uh, and, and learning some of the things that they did, some of the choices they they made. They, they went through stuff and they had a culture that was topsy-turvy just as much as ours. And yet they were able to navigate through some uncertain times with the help of God. And so that's why we're looking at these. Look at this passage here in Joshua 24 up on the screen. This is where the theme comes from. Joshua made this critical choice. It was a personal choice, and it also was a choice of his family. As for me and my house, we'll worship God. And that's a, that's a line. He drew a line in the sand and said, this is what we're going to do. Regardless of what everybody else does, regardless of what my community or my nation or my culture brings at me, we are going to Focus and worship God, the one who put us here. Dr. James Dobson said this up here on the screen, if you want to look from last week. He said these words, we must make the salvation of our children our number one priority. Nothing else is more important. And that's what I want to do today. I want to look at this idea of how important is salvation in my home. You want your family saved. I want my family saved and if you're wondering, if you if you wonder how God feels, oh, he definitely wants your family saved. He, he will do anything he can to make that happen. And it happens when I make this a priority, a top priority in my life and in my family. Now, we're looking at the, the family of Cornelius, and it's found in, book, in Acts 10. Uh, it's in the New Testament. There's a lot of things happening in Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11. I'd like to read some with us if we got we got that up on the screen by any chance. Here's here's some of the here's what we're looking at, okay? At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as an Italian reg, regiment. He and all of his family, notice this, he and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, and Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered this way. 
Your prayers, look at this, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier. I just, by the way, I happened to notice the devout soldier. I thought that was interesting. A devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. And so he sends them to Joppa. And while he's at Joppa, uh, Peter happens to be there up on a roof. And he is having a vision. Let's read on. It says, The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So they go find Peter. They ask him to come to Cornelius' house. He obliges. And he enters the house. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up and say, stand up. He said, I'm only a man myself. While talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. So Cornelius had his family and all his friends there too. And he said, he had a bring your neighbor day, so to speak. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you've sent me? And Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying this at the same hour, about three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shiny clothes stood before me and said this, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest of the house of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good for you to come. Now we, listen to this, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now let's, let's, now here's some more. While Peter was still speaking, now so Peter begins to explain what's going on. He explains the plan of salvation. He starts talking about the gospel, talking about the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Cornelius did not know Jesus, though he was religious. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the, 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 the early Christians were Jewish. It says, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said this, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is what's going on in this guy's house. Talk about crazy. Talk about exciting. His home is saved. And so we, we read this in the context of understanding that in the early church, the early church when it started was made up of Jews that became Christians. What do you mean by that, Tim? Well, they accepted the idea that Jesus was the Messiah, like the, like the Jewish prophecies. So they accepted that. So in a way, they left their Judaism and, and stepped into the rest of Judaism or Christianity, the fulfillment of promise, the promises of the Messiah. And so the, the early church for a long time, or for a set number of time, was made up of Jews, no Gentiles. 
And so here we have an example of the very, we have of, at least a record, of a recollection or a recording of the Gentiles receiving the gospel for the first time through Cornelius and his family. And so in the context of what's going on here, all the Holy Spirit working and all this stuff that's going on, it's in the context of saving his family that this is happening and convincing the early church that Gentiles, which were, uh, you know, shunned, are to be brought into the kingdom of God, into his church as well. And that's, that, I think it's exciting because what God is saying there is, is to these Jews who became Christians, God wants not just your family in the kingdom, but he wants everybody's family saved. I think that's a big statement when you stop and think about it. God wants every family in this room saved. He wants your family saved. He wants the families that you know saved. And you know what? When you make this a priority, he will make that happen. That's exciting. Peter explains this context of what's going on in the next chapter, in chapter 11. He's with the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And look what he says here in your notes as well as up here on the screen. It says he, that is Cornelius, told us how, he, Peter's talking here. He says he's told us how he had seen an angel appear. You know, send a guy, you know, go get Peter. He'll bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. He says that's what the purpose of this whole thing happened for, to save his home, to save his family. Now, what do we know about Cornelius? Well, we know that he was a religious guy. He's a devout man, but he's not saved. You can be religious and not be saved. You can have religious feelings, religious ideals. You can, you can say, well, I believe there's a God and not be saved. Cornelius was one of those guys. He was a good guy, by the way. He needs Jesus, though. And one of the things that's greatly good when you look at the life of Cornelius is that his heart is so open and it's humble and it's so willing to learn. And he wants, he's seeking, he's wanting a relationship with God. It's important to him. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at this if God wants all families saved, he wants yours saved, what can we learn from this family that was saved? What can we learn? Well, we learn how to make it possible for my family to be saved in this crazy world. Cornelius's family shows us how. Let me give you six. Number one, when I honor God in my home. You want your family saved? Honor God in your home. Make him a focus in your home. Make him the focus in your home. Make him the ultimate focus in your home. We know more about Cornelius, what what he does at home, than what he does at work. Did you notice that? Oh, we know he's a centurion. And then we know all this stuff about him when when he's at home. He's a religious man, it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 2. He and all of his other people lived in his house, worshipped the true God. So he's religious. God deeply matters to him. And not only that, in his home, everybody, that, well, his servants, even some of the soldiers are devout. Some of the people he works with, his influence has, has rubbed off on them. But notice also that he has a reputation in his community as being somebody who honors God as well. Look at this passage here in Acts 10, verse 22. It says, we have come from Cornelius. These are the servants talking to Peter. We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. Now think about this. This is a Roman centurion. This is a person that is occupying the country. 
the Roman government, the Roman army, has occupying Israel. This is a Roman who's in charge of soldiers that can go into your house anytime they want, can do whatever they want in your community. And he is well respected. He is well respected by the Jewish people. Why? Because he happens to have deep respect and he honors the God that they honor. So if you really want your house to be saved, if you want God to save your home, it starts with honoring God. What you do in your house really matters. Now, what I've asked is I've asked Seth and Kelsey, are you going anywhere? There they are. I wanted them to come up and just share with you some of the things they do that honor God in their home. I'm Kelsey, and this is my husband, Seth. We have been married for six years, and we have four children, five and under. Life is crazy. With that being said, we haven't really been married super long. We had kids right away. Um, We're still learning. Our oldest is five now, and her brain's kind of like in a whole new stage of curiosity, so bringing God into our home and showing her like what it really looks like and what she can understand. That's something that we are still learning how to do. We're not perfect. Um, And we are always trying to stay humble and learn and find different ways that we can correct ourselves and our children and honor him in that way. Um, So, yeah, that's going to. And so, yeah. And so, one of the main things, the very last thing that she said was, one of the main things that we do is we actually talk about God in our home. You know, it's so easy to to have a family and, and to be distracted by the busyness of family to just not talk about God. And something that that we're, we're obviously not perfect at, but we we really do try to open up the Bible with them and to actually read the Bible with them. Now, of course, you know, a lot of my kids are very young, but Gracie's the oldest, and she's the one that actually asks questions about God. And that's a really good ex- time to that that I take to actually explain like the way that God feels about things, and and explain the way like why God written stories about different things. Like the other day, she asked about like Dad, what is sin? And it's like, how do you explain sin to a five year old? And I said, I said, okay, we'll get out your bow and arrow. And she got out her pretend bow and arrow, and I said, okay. I try to shoot your lamp with the pretend bow and arrow and then, you know, pretend like you hit it. It's like, that's doing good. Like, that's kind of what, what, you know, doing good is. Like, you, 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 you hit something in the way you're supposed to. And I said, okay, now get out your bow and arrow again. And now pretend to shoot your lamp, except this time miss. And I said, when we're not doing what our Father in Heaven wants us to do, and we're, we're, we're missing what He wants us to do, that's what sin is. Sin is when we're, when we're disobeying God. We're not doing what He says. And that really helped her click and understand, like, if we're not going to be talking about God, then they're not going to understand and they're not going to know. And uh, another small example uh, was just the fact that the other day she came up to me and she said, Daddy, she said, you know, I have a I have a friend at school and their mommy and their daddy separated. And she paused and I'm just like. Like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not ready for this sometimes. But, I mean, if you're going to incorporate God and honor him, you have to be ready, ready and willing to talk talk about him and not keep him on the back burner. And so I, I told her, I said, listen, you know what's really cool about God? I said, there, there's two really cool things about God. I said, one, 
we can be hopeful that her mommy and daddy can come back together and that God can actually be there to help mend things together. And additionally, I said, you know, mommy and daddy are have gotten married and we have decided to honor God by staying married the entire time that we're alive. So Gracie, that's not something that you need to worry about. And these are just small examples of just communicating with your family and actually bringing God into the conversation and making sure that you're praying, making sure that you're talking about him and making sure that you're, that we, sorry, that we are actually grateful for what he, for what he has done and what he's doing. And that it's not just mommy and daddy doing everything. It's, it's God being a part of our life and God is there doing everything. And we're just supposed to be doing what he says. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, when we got married, we both, you know, we decided like as if we wanted our family, we wanted to be rooted in Christ. We wanted our roots to be in Christ. So hopefully that our, you know, our children are seeing that and the things that we're doing, we're able to have their roots be in it. Um, even if right now it just feels like little things that we're doing. Um, something that I do with Grace and Max. They're my oldest two. Um, Grace is in kindergarten. Max goes to preschool a few days a week. Um, and we've got about a 10, 15 minute drive to school. So um, I try to be really, really intentional in that time that I get with them. Um, we start off the car ride. We turn on two worship songs um, and we sing and we praise Jesus. And I don't think that they totally know that those songs are about God right now. But I like to think that someday when they're older, Grace, they're gonna, is. Grace is catching on, yes, <laughs> um, that they're going to look back and see what we did and carry that into their life when they're older. It's also really good for me. It starts off my day on a good foot. So we listen to um, a couple of songs and then we each pray. Whoever wants to pray first can pray first. All three of us can pray um, for whatever, you know, for whatever we want. Um Grace has kind of like started praying for her teachers at school. Max still prays for dinosaurs. Um, And um, I pray out loud so that my kids can hear me pray um, and kind of, you know, hopefully learn how to do that and what praying is about. Um, So, yeah, we don't, I don't feel like we really have like a super like three-step program to like honoring God in your home. Um, We keep it pretty simple and basic, but we do try to be intentional and bring him into our conversations. In our marriage. In our marriage, um, into disciplining our children. We try not to, you know, say, oh, well, no, you're just not going to do it because we said so. We try to bring it back to God. Well, this is what Jesus says. Do you think what you did really looks like something that Jesus would do and just create opportunity for conversation? And that was about it. God works in a home where he is honored. Here's the second thing I notice about uh, Cornelius' house, and that is that uh, the salvation of my family is a priority when I pray with my family. I pray and I pray with my family. There's no doubt about it. Cornelius is a praying man. He's, he, he is, he's, that's what he's known for. I mean, that's why an angel appears to him. Look at this passage here. It says here that Cornelius uh, stared at him while he's praying now. This angel appears. He goes, what is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor 
have come as a memorial offering before God. You drive through any town, any small town or large town, and you find these memorials strategically placed in different parts of the, of the city. You'll see them. They'll be for events. They'll be for people. Why? They don't want, they don't want to forget. Maybe it's a war. Maybe it's a, a some a citizen in, that, or a celebrity. They don't want people to forget this person or, or what they did. Uh, and you can't drive through uh, these towns without them catching your eye. They make them eye-catching on purpose. Because Cornelius, Cornelius is devoted to prayer, he, it, it's, it's highly possibly prayed morning, noon, and, eve, and every evening. He prayed three, at least three times a day. So he's constantly talking to God. His family, he's praying with his family. He's praying for his family, and his family sees these things. And so prayer is, is a, a commodity, a valuable commodity in the home. And as he's praying, God, the Bible says God hears his prayers. He says that we, he, he notices those prayers. And what I notice is that, is that God notices his need for God. He says that that prayer life says we need God. You're telling the rest of your family, we need God to get through this together. So we're going to talk to him often. And so, so that's with that in mind that you see his humility his, and again, his heart. And this is what gets God's attention. There's a very interesting passage I want to show you up on the screen. It's in Proverbs 28, verse 8 in the Living Bible. It says this, God doesn't listen to the prayers of those who flout the law. What's flout mean? It means to ignore it, to disobey it, to have no regard for it. You see, if I ignore what God says, he's not going to really be excited about listening to what I have to say to him. No, it's got, there's this reverence, there's this, this devotion to what, what, what God teaches and what God says that's in Cornelius' home. And notice that here in Proverbs 51, a great passage, the sacrifice that God wants is a humble spirit. God, you will not turn away someone who comes with a humble heart and is willing to obey you. And this is true. God, how could he not? How could he turn away Cornelius? He sees Cornelius seeking him. He sees his heart. He sees his obedience. I've asked Andrew and Allison to come out and talk a little bit about what they do. How do they lift up prayer in their home? Okay, so my name's Allison, and this is my husband, Andrew. We've been married for our, uh, almost 14 years now. And we have three little girls. Not so little anymore. We have uh, Isabel, who's 11, almost 12, Abby, who's 10, and Evelyn, who's 5. And they keep us on our toes, let me tell you that. But we love them. <laughs> I was totally going to bust Isabel out. Where's she at? Where's the right over there. She's hiding over there. Prayer is really important, and um, we try to instill in the kids that praying is more than just thanks for the food, Lord. And um, one of the big ones is uh, I, I, I'm, I try to get them to see that, you know, you need to pray for the good stuff. You know, God blesses you all the time, and things, you know, that you may not necessarily see, you need to thank him for it. Like, for example, we got to move right before Christmas to a house that's, well, let's just say it's size for us now. And uh, the kids get their own bedrooms. And, you know, I get a kitchen where I can, you know, not have stuff piled on top of it, on, the, on top of stuff. It's nice. It's great. But I didn't do that. God did that. And I, I need, and I, I'm like, guys, you need to thank the Lord for the things that you've got or all those squishmallows and toys and stuff that I keep stepping on. God gave you those too. You need to pray for those. And, um, sorry, I had a train of thought, but 
you know, every, every, even, you know, we've, we've had some, some family that um, got some positive test results back. That's a blessing from God. That is a very good thing. You need to thank him for it. Okay, and so I wanted to talk about that. You know, we talked to the kids about sometimes you have to pray when things aren't so good, okay? And there's a couple different ways that we approach this. One is, you know, if things are not going so well in a certain area in our life, like before we moved, you know, we had a house that we liked. It didn't work out the way we wanted it to. So we were telling the kids, you know, to make sure that we're praying for the house that God wants us to have because if it didn't work out, there's obviously a reason why. Um, so another thing is, is that the kids are growing up and they're starting to go through times at school where they have kids kind of making fun of them, a lot of peer pressure going on, and, you know, kids teasing them, bullying them. And so I have to remind them to pray for those people that are giving them a tough time. And, you know, the Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 5, I believe it is, that we're supposed to pray for those that persecute us. And so teaching them about the fact that, you know, those people that are treating you the way that they are, they probably don't have a relationship with God. And you need to pray for those people that aren't necessarily being very nice to you. Uh, lastly, um, I instill in them the, that you need to pray for other people, too. Like, um, we've had some people in the church that have had health problems. And, and it's like, pray, pray for those people because, you know, the more people that are praying, the more it's getting up to God's kingdom, the more, the better that is. Or like I mentioned a few minutes ago, we've had some family that have had some health problems. One in particular that seems like she just can't catch a break. It seems like, you know, one health problem's gone, then here comes the next one. But anyway, but praying for his kingdom, praying for his people is something really, really important and because, uh, some of my kids, I'm not going to bust them out, but some of my kids think that God's just kind of like Santa Claus, and you, you know, you give him your list, and you know, he works on it and does the, the few that you need. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to pray for other people too, because other people need your prayers. They need you. They need you. They need they need your your petition for them to reach God's kingdom too. And this is something I just want to end on is, you know, when it comes to prayer. We're trying to teach the children that when we're praying, you know, like Andrew said, God's not Santa Claus, okay? We're trying to teach them that they need to pray, like it says in Matthew chapter 6, about we're supposed to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, okay? Sometimes we have to pray for the things that we don't necessarily, you know, we don't get the answers that we like, but just thanking him for that situation even though it may not have been the one that we wanted. Okay? So, thank you. So, honor God, pray. And number three is when I practice generosity. When I practice generosity, this sets up my home for salvation. You say, how does it do that? And i got to tell you, when I look at Cornelius, this is such an obvious thing. It's Of all the things to say, from heaven to Cornelius through an angel, you know, he says, we've heard your prayers. God's heard your prayers. And we notice your gifts that you've given to the poor. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's what, I mean, not church attendance. I know church attendance is important. I, 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 I go, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I, and I know it's relationships are important. And I know that, uh, that, that uh, serving in all kinds of ways is important. But God says, the, the God says, 
I've heard your prayers and I re- I'm remembering you've got my attention about these gifts, not just one gift. Now you didn't do it just once. You've been, it's a regular thing you do toward the poor. And I found that was interesting <clears throat> because in, in this statement, in this, in this sentence here in Acts 10 verse 31, they relate to the idea of poverty. Both of them do. When you stop and think about it, there's a, there's a connection here that when we're praying, we're, we're speaking of our poverty. And when we're, and, and it, 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 it translates into addressing the poverty around us. Those that need our help. There's, there seems to be, it just looks to me like there's this holy connection and a pattern, a holy pattern between generosity and salvation when you look at the scriptures. There's people, when they're godly, they're generous. You don't see godly people stingy. It's just, a, it, and, I, and I thought, well, it doesn't make sense to think about it. Because of, we're saved because of God's generosity. I'm saved because of that. And so whenever I'm generous in the home, the more generosity I can find ways to be generous now and, and, and exert this, this, this uh, giving muscle, the more I promote, catch this, the more I promote the mercy of God. And that's one of the things God wants. Isn't that what he wants? Mercy? He wants, he wants our mercy. He gives us this mercy. And what is mercy? Compassion? Kindness? Goodness to who? To everyone. But in Cornelius' case, it's to the poor. I think that's just amazing. What a connection. This is something that's new to me. I never thought about generosity being connected with salvation until I start beginning to realize, well, for God so loved the world, he gave his, gave his only, one and only son for me. And the more I walk with the Lord, the more the heart, his heart, I begin to begin to have, and so it's going to make me generous as well. Look at this in Proverbs 22 too. The rich and the poor are all created by the Lord. Do you believe that? How do you feel about the top 1%? How do you feel about people on welfare? The rich and the poor. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. He didn't say don't take care of them. He was just saying they're always going to be around. I know the context. He's talking about you need to pay attention to what I'm doing right now. You'll always have the poor. But he didn't mean don't ever take care of the poor around us. No, there's something about that. That Cornelius brings to his home this awareness of the mercy that God has to his family. And the mercy he wants to develop in us. The kindness and the goodness that extends itself to take care of more than me and my own. But others outside of my DNA. Somehow this, what I notice about this is we, we, we can, as we peer into the family of Cornelius, we see the empathy and the compassion he has toward others. That he's really teaching his family. And I don't know if he knows he's doing it on, he may not be doing it on purpose, but just the nature of it. When I'm generous, I'm teaching my family not to see themselves as the world revolving around them all the time. That they don't see themselves as we've said this many times, 
just as consumers, but we're here to be contributors too. Um, I've, I've got a bunch of passages. Let's just read them together. I know Cornelius read these passages. They must have touched his heart because he, was, he read his Old Testament. Look at these passages in Proverbs. Whoever shuts their eyes to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Here's another one. Whoever is cruel to the poor insults its ma- their maker. But anyone who is kind to the needy honors God. Here's another one. Whoever gives to the poor lacks nothing. Whoever ignores the poor receives many curses. Here's another one. Giving help to the poor is like loaning money to the Lord. He'll pay you back for your kindness. And this is one of my favorites. The Lord blesses everyone who freely gives food to the poor. You want to save your family? Make them aware of how merciful God is to them by being a generous family. You know, it's, is it, what are you, are you talking about weekly contribution? Beyond that. Talking about our special contribution this year? Well, it includes that. Our family needs to see that we put our money where our faith is, our heart is, because we do anyway. But they need to see, they need to see that, that this, that generosity, helping people, is an important priority in their life. We're in a very selfish, self-centered, it's clothed in this idea that we're loving everybody, but you know that's not true, folks. Our, our culture doesn't love everybody, even those that say love everybody. But God's people must show the rest of the world what it means to love others, especially the poor, especially the poor. So that's the thing. I practice generosity like Cornelius. It has a big impact on my home. Number four, when I listen to God's voice, I asked myself this question earlier this morning. What is heard in my home? What is heard? Politics? Boy, I get side. Anybody here else get sidetracked with politics? You know, uh, I made a meme of J.B. Pritzker, and it said, J.B. Pritzker putting the annoy back in Illinois. And now, you know, I, I got bought, sent that to my friends, got a big laugh out of it. And then I thought to myself, you know, I'm, boy, politics is a hot topic, and it, you can get so sidetracked with worrying about a politician. Can he remember anything or can he do anything? And they, are they liars? Are they cheats? And taxes and fees and, you know, blah, blah, blah. See, I'm already getting into it. I just think about what is heard in my house. If I want my home saved in a lost, broken world, I better be hearing God's word. I better be hearing the voice of God. My family better be hearing the voice of God. And not my opinions, not my preferences, not the latest trends. What is heard in my home? In Cornelius' home, he was listening for the voice of God. He was listening to what God had to say. You read this next passage in Acts 10. He's explaining, you know, of what's going on to Peter. And then in verse 33, look what it says here. So I sent for you immediately. 
and it was good for you to come. Look what he says now. Look at the eagerness here. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. I don't know how you are, but when, when I'm praying, I tend, I'm eager to see what God's going to do. Not so much about what he's going to say. Does that make any sense? I'll tell you, I find, I'm looking for what's, what are you going to do, God? Do this, do this, do this. And he's going, well, I'd like to say something first. Are you listening? No, I'm watching. And is it good to ask God to do things? Of course. But a lot of times, in Cornelius' case, while he's praying, God has something to say to him. And, and Cornelius is anticipating it and is so eager to hear it. I'm realizing for many years, I think I've treated prayer like a drive through I'd like this and this and this and this and this. Okay, drive around and you can pick it up. When God's saying, you know, Tim, it's more of a conversation. See, you talk and then I talk. You talk some more and I want to speak some more. Oh, God wants to speak into our lives, doesn't he? And it's having this eagerness to listen to what he has to say. Because we want God to hear what we have to say. And you know, he wants it just as much to be heard when he has something to say to you and I. And so it's this habit, this habit of, are we listening for the word of God? Are we listening to what God has to say in our home? Our kids watch us. They, they, what are they hearing in our house? What are they really hearing? You know, I, uh, my aunt Helen Ann, oh man, she's the greatest aunt in the world. Uh, single all of her life, but what a woman. And she would do all kinds of special things for Christmas when I was a little kid. And one day she was telling me, we were, uh, I was grown up, you know, we're talking about stuff, and she was in the car uh, driving around with one of her nieces that was like two. And this is before car seats. So the niece is standing in the seat, and she's driving and somebody pulls out from her and she hits the brakes and she says the S word. That's as close as I can get to it. And all of a sudden, the little girl, this little niece goes, she goes, stop! Slow motion. This kept just repeating and repeating. Our kids listen to the words in the house. What are they hearing? Has a lot to do with their salvation. What are they hearing in this house? See, the habit of listening builds strength and stability in your home. I know that uh, Matthew 7, we, we emphasize the importance of obedience. But Jesus did say these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Look what happens. He's like a guy who builds his house, a wise man who builds his house in rock. It's important to listen. We always emphasize the obedience part, but it's good to listen too. Make sure, you know, it's hard to obey if you don't hear what you don't know what he's wanting you to do. So it's this listening, this, this, this habit really builds uh, a stable and spiritual home that sets up our children and sets up the rest of the family to obey the Lord. Number five, 
In Cornelius' home, I learned this. When I expect God's spirit to work, I can expect him to save my family. You could say it this way. When I work with the Holy Spirit, when I let the Holy Spirit work, when I cooperate with the Holy Spirit, God will work his salvation. There's a God thing happening in Acts 10. You can't, you, you can't ignore it. Makes some people nervous. All that Holy Spirit stuff happening. Anybody know what, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Well, you see this tongue speaking and oh, it's crazy, crazy. What's this all about? Makes me nervous. Kind of like some of us get nervous when we break up to pray. We can't even handle praying together and get a little nervous. Why? Well, you hear the rumbling and like, it's just a normal thing. We couldn't handle tongue speaking. We really couldn't. We'd be in the early church going, what? I thought we were going to get in a circle and pray together. Wow, you guys are really progressive. No, it's, but there's something, you can't deny it. It's something crazy going on here. The God is working. It's a God thing. Queasy or not, it's going on. And it's interesting, it's not just happening when they're speaking in tongues. God is, Holy Spirit was working before that took place. When you see him getting Peter ready by having a vision and saying, listen, Peter, what you think's unclean is really clean. So, buddy, when they come and get you, you go with them. And sure enough, soon as they show up, he goes with them. Still a little confused. He's not sure what it's all about. He's had to have the vision three times. You ever had to be told more than once about something? There's a reason. Right? He's had this vision three times, and he's still having a little trouble. He gets there and goes, so what do you want? Why am I here? Uh, I think it's pretty obvious, Peter. Not to me yet. It's against the law to be with you people. So what are we doing? Well, we were told you were going to tell us what to do. That God was going to speak to us. Oh, you want to know? Oh, okay. Well, here's what Jesus is about. And he begins to explain what Jesus is about and how, how he came to die for our sins and forgiveness of sins is for everyone. And, and right in the middle of that, bam! They start speaking in crazy languages. And people are getting nervous. And that's what I read. Maybe not the blah, blah, blah part, but I mean, you know, it's kind of weird. Look at it says here. Uh, in Acts 10 verses 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. A lot of confusion in this passage. There's probably a sermon series on this passage, to be honest. You know, does the Holy Spirit still work this way? Man, we could talk about this for a while. I have, I have my view, and I'm sure you've got yours. And notice how I just sidestepped that. <laughs> the reason I'm sidestepping is because I don't want us to get hung up on this yet. Here's, here's what I want you to notice. The Holy Spirit, if anything, you gotta, gotta realize the Holy Spirit works in a lot of other ways. 
And sometimes we're just so hung up on this, we don't even notice all the other ways that make us nervous. That can make us just as nervous. Because he's doing all kinds of things here that don't get airtime from pulpits. He's bringing people together. Is it coincidental that I meet a person that's not a Christian? i got to arrest that once and for all. Is that a God thing or is that just coincidental? There are no consequences. You know, no, no uh, coincidences. You're right. There are consequences, but no. <laughs> is it is it is it a God thing? Is is when the word of God is preached and somebody goes, man, I really needed to hear that. I hear this all the time. I really need to hear that. Now, some of you say I didn't want to hear that, but I mean, most of the time, it's I needed to hear that, Tim. I didn't know you needed to hear that. Is that a God thing or is that just a coincidence? We try to explain so much stuff away the Holy Spirit's trying to do. When I pray for somebody to be healed, God, would you make sure they don't die, spare them? And they, and they are spared. Is that a God thing or is that just a coincidence? You happen to be on the right side of that prayer. Hello. I ask God to, you know, change me and then something crazy happens that forces me to deal with something. Oh, that's a God thing or is that just a coincidence? I didn't ask for that, Lord. You asked for to change something, Tim. Yeah, but I wanted you to do it this way. Well, I'm gonna you have to defer to Jesus. Not your will be done, but mine. Sorry, pal. I, I mean, I see all this stuff. God opening doors, convicting hearts. There's acts of God that happen that I can't explain. You can't explain. Well, but all we can decide is: is it a coincidence, or is it God's spirit working? That's what we have to ask. Coincidence, I'm being honest with you, coincidence is I'm comfortable with. When the Holy Spirit's doing stuff, I get uncomfortable. And yet he's, the Bible says he's to bring order into my life, and I'm getting uncomfortable with that. Sometimes we just get things backwards, don't we? And I'm just saying, I'm just saying is that, you know, I know that we're, we're learning about the Holy Spirit and we're trying to understand the Holy Spirit. And I know we could talk about the tongue thing and, 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 you know, I do believe that it was in this circumstance. I'll just give you a little clue. This particular circumstance, this is happening to convince some hard heads that the gospel was for everybody. That's what I believe it to be. But that doesn't negate that the Holy Spirit doesn't work. And we're called not to quench the Spirit. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. That sounds like we're supposed to work with the Spirit. And if I, listen, if I explain everything away with, to my kids and my spouse and my grandkids as some, you know, it's got to appeal to my common knowledge, which by the way, most of the Bible does appeal to my common knowledge, but guys, there's just some stuff in here I can't explain. I don't know what to say. It's a God thing. God's doing that. And I don't, I can't understand it because I have nothing to do with it. I can't do that. But He's working. And you want the Holy Spirit to work in your home. You want, listen, sometimes it's going to have to get nervous in your house. A little uncomfortable. It's just going to have to be that way. If you want him to work in your house. 
Because the will of God, I don't know about you, maybe you're better than me. I'm sure you are. You're much better than me. I tend to disagree with God about every other step. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to think that. I want to do my thing. Well, listen, and I, I'll tell you, here's what I get from God. Tim, you want to do your thing? Then you're going to be, you're going to have to settle with the results of your thing. But if you'll do my thing, oh man. Oh, the things that can happen in your home, in your marriage, where you work, at your church. I've asked Mike and Cassie to talk about this. <laughs> I've asked them to talk about, you know, well, how do they recognize God working in their house and how they communicate that with the rest of their family. Good morning. Tim asked us, how do we talk about the spirit working in our, in our family, in our, in our home? Um, I want to start with, I am dumb. I am oblivious. I need bright neon signs with arrows pointing. And God has given me a bright neon sign with arrows Pointing me into the right direction. Um, a lot of what we're going to talk about is my wife helping me. Honest. Honest out there. Um, some things we do in our home to uh, help our girls, which we have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. <sighs> Pray for us. In one year, we will have a driver. <sighs> uh, but some things we do... The things we do don't, if you're just watching us from the outside, you won't necessarily notice that it's intentional. Uh, the first thing I have on our list that we do is we eat dinner without the TV on most of the nights. Every once in a while, we'll do something special where we'll eat dinner with TV. And you're like, you guys are supposed to be talking about the spirit working in your house. Why are you talking about television at dinner? Well, dinner, our table is a sacred place. If you've eaten dinner with us, you know if you're at our dinner table, that's family. Your family, if you're eating dinner with us. And that's a time where we talk about the day. We talk about what's going on in their lives. And we talk about maybe where God's pointing them. Whenever we were asked by Tim to talk about this, I was like, I'm really, really nervous to talk in front of people. But I think that definitely that's been something that, again, the Spirit, um, God, uh, has worked through us. And so that's some of the things that we bring up with the girls is like things that the Lord has done, um, the Spirit has done, even though we are very weak in it. Um, we talk about um, Scripture, and we talk about, I, honestly, how amazing God is and, and the Spirit is working through our family, things that God has done through our family, um, through other families, um, and praising Him. And um, we talk about the desires of God, and, and um, just like, trying to recognize what God has done um, and where he's trying to work um, and making it a lifestyle to to recognize him and praise him for working through our prayers, asking him to hear, um, hear him above all. Um, one of my life verses is Psalm 143, 8, and it says, let me hear your voice in the morning for in you I place my trust and let me know your will for today for unto you have I handed over my life. And that's something that I we pray in the morning on the way to school. We've had a mantra and we it's changed since they were little kids, but just uh, praying for God to to speak through the girls, to work through the girls, for them to hear God's voice above all. 
and we don't keep we don't shelter our ch- our children away from our struggles either. Um, we talked to we talked to Blythe and Kara about what we're going through, what we're learning, what we're struggling with, what's going on in our lives. We've talked to them about okay, so this has happened at school. Why is this happening? Because I don't believe in coincidences. I believe things are happening for a reason, and either you're growing or you're helping somebody grow. We've talked to the girls. Uh, we used to live in a 800-square-foot house, and um, for those of you who don't know, we work with the youth ministry here at church, and we would have cross-chat in this itty-bitty little house. We'd have 34 high schoolers show up in this house, and people were literally sitting on top of people having this cross-chat lesson. Um, and we started searching for a new home. We started uh, praying and fasting about a new home. And we would talk to the girls. Hey, we're going to pray and we're going to fast about this because this is important. But we weren't just looking for a bigger, nicer house for us. We're very purposeful in almost everything we do. There are times like I'm just I just I forget my purpose. I'm, a, I'm not perfect. But when we were looking for a new home, we fasted. We prayed. We talked about why we needed specific things for a home. It had to have room for parking. It had to have a gathering area. It had to have a big kitchen. I preferred a yard that we could go out. And this isn't stuff for me. This is stuff for our ministry. And now we're feeling, we're listening to God. Our ministry is changing. Where we are ministering and who we are ministering to, God is pushing us to do other things. And I have pushed back against God before, and it never ended well for me. So I want to walk in step with the Spirit. And we talk to our girls. Now, mind you, you won't come into my house and hear me say, do not quench the spirit or walk in step with the spirit. You won't or listen to the prompting of the spirit. I don't use those words because that's not how I talk. But we have conversations about the things we're doing and why we do them with our daughters. And we encourage them too. something we encourage our girls to do is to be friends to the friendless. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to dote on my youngest for a minute that she ha- is awesome with kids with special needs. Um, When she was younger, they started a buddy program at her school because they noticed her and her friends were playing with the kids with special needs at recess. And she became one of the first buddies. And one of the buddies lived in our neighborhood. And during COVID, every day, we went for a walk just to wave at Riker. And so we, we encourage our girls, as we encourage ourselves, to walk in step with our with the spirit. And we can't expect our kids to know if we don't know. And Cassie and I are still learning. And we're still growing in that. Because like I said, I need bright neon signs and buzzers and flashing lights. Because I'm oblivious. One of the things um, that even recently we were talking to the girls. Um, um, I felt like prompted to talk to uh, a mom uh, that's friends of one of the other girls. And... Um, And then we were kind of running late for something else. And I said to Blythe, I was like, well, when I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me that I've got to talk to this person, I need to listen. And um, I told her, like, the more that you listen, the more that you're going to hear what he has to say, you know, and the more you're going to be open to what his spirit is telling you whenever you're reading. Because when you read the Bible, you are listening, but you're, for one, you're changing in different phases of your life as you read different scripture, but also he's trying to speak to you through that in whatever you're trying to go through. And so to listen is very important. And so anyway, we just pray for that. And we pray for you guys too, that you along with your families can hear God's spirit speaking.
Okay, so here's the last thing, and that is that I can, I really help uh, set up my family to be saved when I obey, when I simply obey the Lord, when I obey the gospel, when I obey whatever God has to say. This is a big, big deal. I don't care who you are, grandparent, grandpa, grandma, I want you to know I'm a grandparent. Our kids and our grandkids need to see us obeying the Lord. They need to see that we're choosing the Lord. Stubbornness is not inspiring. You understand? Being stubborn, I'm an old person. I can say this. We tend to be stubborn. Stick in the mud. Should I go on? You know, it's, and that doesn't inspire our children or our grand, or our grandchildren. Um, you read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Read especially Proverbs. And it's not just parents and grandparents, but children. Listen to me if you're a child, if you're a teenager. You discourage your parents when you disobey. That's a negative vibe you put in your home. Obedience is refreshing and it inspires. Look at, look at this about, look at this about, uh, Cornelius. Peter says, it, it says Peter ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter, would you, would you stay around for a few days? Here's a guy that's used to giving out orders all the time and he's ordered to do something and he obeys the order and he seems to have a pretty good attitude about it. He goes, hey, why don't you guys stick around? I don't have an, I don't have any residual attitude because you're telling me what to do. I remember one time I was talking with Bob Hawkins and we were talking about, I was, I had a, somebody I was studying with and I said, well, I don't want to push him. And he brought up, well, you know, Ananias asked, told, told the apostle Paul, what are you waiting for? Get up and get baptized. That sounds like some pressure. Wow, I didn't. No, that was in there. Here's another one of those. You know, it, it's it's something we're to obey. Now, I'm not saying we ought to pressure people to do something they don't want to do. I'll talk about that in a second here. But there's just something about, here's a guy who humbles himself. He's the first to humble himself and surrender and obey Jesus. And there's no better example for the rest of your family. Where it's, whether it's from the patriarch down or from the runt up. Doesn't matter. The, the, a great example for the rest of your family is to show them this is what obedience is. I'm reminded every time my children and my grandchildren, when they do something because they're told to, you know, I, I need to do some things because God's told me to. It helps, it encourages me. And when our kids and our grandkids, our spouses see our, our listen, our nieces, you're an aunt and uncle. You're not off the hook either, okay? When they see us, they know, they see us surrendering to Jesus. It encourages them. They Listen, I do not want to be the exception to my kids and my grandkids. What do you mean by that, Tim? I don't want to give them a, an excuse for disobeying God. Well, Grandpa doesn't do it. Dad doesn't do it. Tim doesn't do it. Why should I matter to me? I don't want to give, I want to inspire, not give, give excuses to people. How about you?
You're either going to do that. You're either going to give excuses to your children and your rest of your family, or you're going to give inspiration to your family. And there's just no better example for the rest of your family to see you humble yourself and obey. It excites the rest of your family when this takes place. I remember my dad going to church, going to church for the first time. It was exciting and frightening at the same time because I had to sit there and be good. That was one of the things. But I'm going... What's going on? There's mom and dad. I've never seen them sit in church together. And it excited me. And I'm telling you that if, if you're, if, especially, you know, grandpa, if you're stubborn about something, why not just surrender and show your grandkids this is what you do even in your 60s, even in your 70s, for your rest of your life. There's going to be times when God's going to ask you or call you to do something and you say, sure, I'm going to do it. What an example that is. What a powerful example that can be. Because it paves the way. It's, it's one step. One step may cause someone else to take another. Last week I gave you a pig story and Lynn said, I like your pig stories. I'm going to give you another. I grew up on a pig farm. We had about two, three hundred head of pigs. And one time we, we electric fenced the 30 acre field right next to our house. And we just turn them loose in the corn that the corn picker didn't get. And they got to eat corn as much as they wanted and anything they wanted to do. 30 acres of, of free range. And they, they had a ball. Well, it was time to, to bring them back in because they'd ate all the corn. And it was time to bring them back in into uh, the barn. And so we take the electric fence down. Danny remembers this. We take the electric fence down. See, they learned. Pigs were smart. And they figured out where the electric fence was. And there was a path all the way around the perimeter of the field where they walked it and they'd look at that fence. They knew they couldn't get on the other side because a couple of them got shocked and they told the rest of them, hey, don't touch that in pig language. And so and so so we take the fence down because we're getting ready to bring them. We're just going to move them just a you know just a few feet. And we we crowd them up and they come to the they the fence isn't there. But they believe it's there. They're fighting and they're running and we're having to chase them and we're like, what are we going to do? Finally, one of us grabs one of the pigs by the leg. And if you ever want to have a good time, grab a pig by the leg. (laughs) And we're dragging it across the... And then it gets up and goes... And it looks over and all the other pigs on the other side of the fence going... He's over there. I mean, they're, they're quiet. Daniel, they're quiet. The other pig's going. <laughs> and then another pig over here, all this crowd finally goes. Hmm. And the rest of them followed. I kid you not. We didn't have to do anything. No poking them, shocking them, pulling them. Once we got one over. They saw they could go there. The rest of the herd followed. What a farm lesson for us all, huh? If we just take a step and obey God, the rest of the herd will follow. They really will. Let me show you another pig farmer here in the book of Acts. It's in Acts 16. He's, he's a Philippian jailer. It's another family. And he is a, he's, he's incarcerated a couple of disciples. I think it's Paul and Silas. And it's about midnight. There's a big earthquake. And the place crumbles. 
And he is panicking. It's at midnight. Those guys have gotten loose. I'll be killed. He takes his knife. He's getting ready to kill himself. And Paul goes, don't do it. We're all here. He gets a lantern. He checks that all the prisoners are there. And he says to Paul and Silas, what do I do to be saved? What do I do to be saved? He says, well, believe in the Lord Jesus. And you and your entire household will be saved. Oh, believe what? Well, look what it says here. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Your family is more likely to obey Jesus when you obey Jesus. When you take the step, they're most likely are going to do the thing. Why? Because, and by the way, you say, you put Tim, you know, maybe you're in a Bible study right now. You're studying with somebody. I don't even know what to do. You just do what you learn as you learn it. Just do, just obey as you learn. And your kids are going to go, wow, this Christian thing isn't like you're done in one. It's a, it's a, 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 a journey of steps of obedience along the way. You know, you don't have to be a perfect parent. Just be a good one here and, and model this for them. Just start taking that step and watch God bless your home. I know some of us here, we've, some of our families, we've taken those steps and our family's kind of blown apart. We got kids. What are they going to do? What do we do with those? They've left God. I've, my heart breaks for you. Am I, am I right, church? Does a heart break for people that are experiencing that? So what would you do? What would Cornelius do? He'd keep worshiping God. He'd keep praying and being generous. He'd keep modeling that. Inside he might be discouraged, but the Holy Spirit would comfort him and empower him. And he just keeps one foot in front of the other, keeps obeying, keeps modeling that. I just know with that kind of example, those kids that are lost right now have a better chance of coming back than if we give up. And I just say to you, all of us here, you know, whatever, wherever our family, your family is right now, just take the next step to obey the Lord. He'll save your home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these, these uh, interesting ideas from the family of Cornelius, Father. Give us an obedient heart that obeys you. Let us cooperate with your spirit. When the spirit works, help us see it, but help us especially cooperate. Father, we want our family to hear you. So we, we're making a commitment to talk about you more, but also model a listening heart that listens for your voice in the home. Father, we know you love the poor. We may not understand the connection between godliness and generosity, but it seems to be bridged with gratitude. And Father, we pray you'll increase our gratitude in such a way that it'll express itself with our generosity. Father, we call upon you. We're going to be talking to you. All of our families are going to be talking to you more this week, perhaps than we have in a while. Pray you'll hear our prayer. And most of all, Father, we pray that you'll be honored. 
That when, when our kids are grown, that they'll look back and go, God was honored. He was important in our home. And Father, we just pray that you'll always be praised. That you'll get the credit. Do the things we can't, Father. Just help us obey what we can. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words can say. I need you more than ever before. I need you.
I need you, Lord.